All right, church, let's turn our Bibles actually to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9 as well, and we'll go to get to Mark chapter 8 in a little while. But as we head into a time where we're going to be challenged about missions, what I've found over the years is is regardless of what we know about missions and how we're challenged about it, it's just often a, a need to be reminded about the need of the world and our responsibility. And I know that for sure because I know that that's true of me. And, you know, I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts today. Um, I think, by and large, we understand the global And when I say global, it it includes here as well the need for missionaries in the fields in which they minister to. You're going to notice a great shortage of both laborers and even the financial means in which the work needs to be accomplished. And yet, despite the fact that we know this, sometimes you've got to question whether people have a discernible passion for it. You know, it's been clearly stated by the Lord that the harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. And when we look into Scripture, we note and we understand, I think, that missions is a driving element of God's purpose for us here on earth. The call to, to the work of the gospel is something that is for us, all of us, individually and then corporately, we're supposed to aim for. I don't think he leaves us without any question that reaching the world with the gospel is of utmost importance to him. And in fact, it was our Lord Jesus' last words prior to ascending into heaven to his disciples and by extension to us to go and reach the world. And so with that, what we know, you'd think that most people of any flavor of Christianity would jump through hoops to ensure that this urgent matter is, is addressed, this urgent matter is something that becomes a priority and, and maybe even resolved. And so I want to ask you the question then, why are we again talking about it? Why is the need still there? And you know what we, you see often when the Lord Jesus was speaking to his disciples about the need of the field, he often used this instruction, look, see. And today we're going to talk a little bit about seeing. And we're going to, the, the, the need is for us to see as Jesus sees. And look at a couple of things here, and, and we're going to discover that obviously vision and sight and seeing is important to us practically, right? You're here and look around, and I think most people here, even if you're um, whatever age you're at, I think... I don't see anyone that's blind, but we understand that blindness is still a problem in the world physically. We, we know, perhaps you know someone who is blind. Maybe you know someone who over the course of their life lost sight and they can't see anymore. Um, when I was younger, I just soon discovered when I couldn't read the words on the board that I needed glasses and I was visually vision impaired and I had to wear glasses, but now... I get to wear contacts, all right? And what I understood was your sight is important for you to learn, to understand. And when you have an impairment, and especially blindness, then there's a great hindrance there in your life. 
And so we're going to read a couple of stories about Jesus and how he dealt with those who were blind. And then we're going to particularly look at Mark chapter 8 in a bit because he does something different there that I think is pertinent to us as we ask the question about missions. And, and even in, really in, in other spheres of life, you, you can consider this. In Mark chapter 9, look at verses 27 to 31. So I hope you've got your Bibles handy this morning. We'll turn to a few passages of Scripture. Verse 27, And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, according to your, uh, their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it, but they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame in all that country. So we see the, these two blind men, Jesus simply asks them, Do you believe that I'm able to heal you? He, he, he does so, he touches their eyes, and then, according to their faith, their eyes were open, miraculously healed. Look at Matthew chapter 20, another occurrence of Jesus dealing with those who are blind. Look at Matthew chapter 20, and notice verses 30 to 34. And so he's departing from Jericho, a great multitude's following him. And so when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And the multitude were son of David because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will ye that I shall do unto you? And notice the response they say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. And immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. So again, Jesus sees, uh, hears from these two blind men and he touches them, and then they receive sight. And so they're there from, from seeing darkness to seeing the reality of what was around them. Now look at John chapter 9. Look at John chapter 9. Read a couple of verses here. And those two men that we just read about, when asked what they wanted, they just asked for their sight to be given to them. Look at verse 1, and as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And so we didn't know the occasion of those other two stories, whether these men were always blind or they had become blind at some point. What we knew was when Jesus got to them, they were blind. This one specifically, he was blind from his birth. And I can't imagine a more heart-wrenching thing than to know a child can't see you. A child can't, uh, can't see the the very ones that have birthed him or her. But this one was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, notice the mentality, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And they even, they even saw blindness as some sort of spiritual uh, result or some sort of spiritual outworking in a person's life. And whether it was sin on his part or sin in his parents' part, that was a mentality back in the day. And Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground 
and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. So he does something slightly different. He spits on the ground, gets the mud, and he rubs it on the, this, this man's uh, eyes, and suddenly, suddenly he says unto him, Go wash in the pool. And when he went his way, therefore, and washed, and notices, and came seeing. So he does something slightly different, but again, he touches it, the, the man's eyes, really. And then he goes and he washes, and now he gets to see in, in, in full view of all his surroundings. And they arrived at seeing because Jesus came to the picture. And I think, firstly, we understand that blindness is, is a hindrance. In all the stories we read, whether there were two, whether there was one, and again, interestingly, often they were in pairs, they could help each other in their blindness. But blindness is something that we understand as a hindrance. Okay, they all had a condition. They were blind and they they knew it. It would have been hard for them to mistake what was wrong with them. They understood they were blind. They couldn't see. And, you know, I was thinking about that. I suppose that throughout the course of your life, if you had become blind, that you would have to live with it and get used to it. You could learn to live with it. You see those that... Uh, are, are blind and or at least partially blind having to use a stick to to sort of walk through life uh, when we, you go down uh, towards I forget the road now I was going to say it but there's a road where there's guide dog murals <laughs> that road but you you often my um yeah if someone said it you can ask him for directions not me but when we first drove past that, there were all those murals, and my kids were asking, what are the dogs about? And we talked about guide dogs, how they help those who are blind walk through life. But what we understand when we see those people, we have feel bad for them because they can't see like we can see. We understand that their lives are hindered by their blindness. We understand that they can't operate like we would often take for granted and just see the things that we see because they're blind. We understand it's a hindrance. And whilst you may come to a point where you can somewhat live normally with it and it becomes your norm, we know that that's that's a a hindrance to them. We know it's difficult. And although each one was blind, there were different circumstances to their blindness. But none of that really hindered or mattered to Jesus. He was able to heal them. Right? He was able to then touch them. And, and, you know, blind people know that, that they are impaired. Each one of these that we read about understood and admitted they were blind. In fact, when they had heard of Jesus, and in fact, when they had heard that this one had the power to to heal all sorts of other ailments, when they got an opportunity, they cried out for help, didn't they? They cried out for some assistance from Jesus because they understood that at least someone that they had heard of could at least do something about their blindness. They didn't just sit there satisfied with their blindness. They didn't just sit there going, well, I'm blind. But if they were offered a solution, they did take it. Right? They, they understood that they were blind. They admitted to it. They understood their inabilities and their limitations to help themselves, let alone help others. You know, all of them needed help. They called out. Many of them were beggars. They were, had to be assisted by others. They were needing the help. In, in Ma- Matthew 15, 14, he says, let, let them alone. This is Jesus. He says, they be blind leaders of the blind. 
And notice the illustration he gives. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. So he's, he's, he's saying there, as a, as a, by way of illustration, that the blind can't help themselves, let alone help others. They have no ability. They have no way to, to fully help like we can. To those that are around them, they can't help themselves, let alone help others. But what we find, every one of them, when they were offered the help to heal, when they were given a remedy to, to take care of their condition, all of them took it. Right? All of them did. You know, we were, we were in the print shop the other day with my in-laws, and Brother Pete was taking them on his, the grand tour of the print press, all right? If you've never done that, uh, hit up Brother Pete, all right? He'll take you around, and then he'll put you to work, all right? But we, we had a look around, and in the corner there, he was, he was referring to a ministry that he was able to be part of. It's just giving glasses to those in some third world countries. And you understand, unlike us who have access to various uh, optometrists and, and other means to be able to correct vision impairment, whatever it is, there are those in the third world country who don't have that, and so there's those who donate glasses, whether new or old, and they're just sent to these countries, and, and it's a blessing, it's a practical help, so that we can introduce them to Jesus, right? That's the, that's the goal. And... and you know, when those, when those gather around, when those missions teams go to those villages and different places and they're offered those glasses, do you think any of them refuse it on the basis of the shape of those glasses? Do you think any of them go, no, you know what, no thanks, I'll just live in my blindness. I'll just live in my impairment. You know, every one of them, I would dare say, would accept some sort of help. I, w- I would say that as these ones heard about Jesus, and I can't even imagine those that aren't recorded in Scripture that Jesus came by who begged and cried for mercy, they, they did. And yet we understand it's because their lives were so hindered. They were blind. They, they were, they, if they could get a remedy, they, they did. And, they, and thankfully for them, Jesus came to the scene. They understood their condition. Well, you know, correspondent to that, I want to say to you that sight is a gift not to be taken for granted. Right? Once they got sight, they were able to see those around them, some for the first time, some again. Um, I, I think about those who perhaps they had been traveling with this other person, the, the, the ones that came in pairs, and maybe they were shocked they looked at that. <laughs> they looked at, looked at each other, they looked, looked like the way they did, and all these years, I didn't know you had a big nose, or all these years, and they were suddenly astonished at what they saw. But it's a gift, you know, each and every one of us, we're here today, and like I said, even if you have a vision impairment like I do, you can get that corrected. We have the means and abilities, but in a practical sense, in a physical sense, it's a gift not to be taken for granted. I think about, um, sometimes I... I get sent these videos and, um, you know, those, I get videos about colorblind people, right? And they, some here are colorblind and they'd rather be that way. But I see these guys who have been colorblind all their lives and they put the glasses on 
And it just, it moves me because I can't imagine not seeing life in color. And they're moved to tears as they see their first sunset in, in full color. And kids and even grown men who cry because suddenly they're seeing color. And that's just color blindness. You imagine those who are totally blind. Imagine those who are in total darkness and suddenly they see the light. And suddenly they see the, in, in the, the glory of God's creation in all its vivid colors and, and shades and nuances that, you know, we so easily take for granted that, you know, we just take a photo and we just, you know, we just post it up like, well, we just can do that. We can just share that. We, can, we understand. And every one of these, when they suddenly saw sight, uh, saw and they had sight, they understood that this was a gift, and yet we have, we have that each day. The joy that they would have had on their faces, the joy to see all of that. and You know, sight allows us to see. It allows us to function. Um, if, if I was to ask you today, which, if you had to choose one impairment that related to your senses, which one would you which one would you least like to lose? I would say probably a vast majority of us would say sight. We rely on sight so much. There's only so much you could do if you could only hear or you could only smell and you can't see. And sight is a better barometer for living. When we see, we aren't as handicapped as those who can't hear or speak. You know, a couple of years ago, I really got into running. Now, recently, I haven't. That's why I didn't run with the guys yesterday. But I was really, I really got into running, and I was aiming for, and I still am. You pray for me. But one day, I, I will run the marathon. But I'll just say that now to keep myself accountable. But I was really training for it, and, and to the point where I had injured myself, I, had, I got plantar fasciitis. And what that is, it's a strain of the, of the, of the tendons on the, from your toe to your heel, and the thing that, that keeps that arch in your foot. And so I didn't know this, but um, when you go to physio, they, they give you different, uh, different uh, remedies for it. But part of it was to work on your balance. Saying that when you, when you have injuries on your foot, a lot of it has to do with your balance. And so what, one of the exercises I had to do was I had to lean on the wall. Then I had to close my eyes and then try to balance by, by getting my, my foot to touch each other without looking. And, and my first time I did that with that injury, um, if, if you had the, the ability to be a fly on the wall, that would have been the funniest thing you would ever see. Here I was, closing my eyes, looking like I was on a, on a line somewhere, trying to, get, trying to balance. And I was in a room just like this, and I was falling over every other step. I had to work on my balance, but you know what? Your sight actually is a big part of you having balance. It's actually a big part of you, just a normal function that we all take for granted. And sight allows you to do that. And hearing is good, but seeing is better. Even Job, he said in Job 42 verse 5, when it came to God, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eyes seeth thee. So in fact, Job, even in his understanding, as he went through what he went through, 
says, I've heard of you, God, but now I see you. Now I see. And we understand, I hope, that sight then allows us certain things that are a blessing. Sight allows us to see with clarity. And that's where we go to Mark chapter 8, if you quickly turn there. Mark chapter 8. And so we see here that this, this man comes, he's blind, he's led out of the town, he couldn't even help himself. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw all. And he said, he looked up and said, I see. I see men as trees walking. And so a bit of clarity happened in his life. He was able to see. And sight allows us to see with a bit of clarity. The man thought that they were trees walking. They were blurred. But Jesus was able to still help him see. And, and you know, the, the, the reality is that, you know, you can see people who need help. You're no longer blind and unable to assist yourself or assist them. And, and you're no longer blind. That, that must be an awesome feeling. And you know, the, the reality is that, that we had blindness spiritually before we had the Lord Jesus Christ. You understand that these are all really a, a picture of who we were in Christ prior to? You know, blindness is what we had prior to Christ in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, globally, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Listen, those who don't have Christ, those who've never believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what they are? They're blind. They're blind. They've been blinded. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 4.18, having the understanding dark and being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. There was this group of people that had been blinded in their heart and they were not saved. They had never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. And in fact, his goal in Acts 26.18 is to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness. Listen, when you got saved, if you're saved here this morning, God brought you from a life of blindness to sight. Thank God. But we were all blind prior to Christ. We were all in darkness. We all, none of us could help ourselves, let alone help others. None of us could truly see what life was about. None of us could, could, uh, could, could see the circumstance and the dangers that were inherently around us as unsaved people. Listen, before Christ, we were all blind. And I, I'm thankful today that, that there was a time in my life where someone sat down with me and they showed me from his word what it is to be saved. And you know what came in? Light came in. And light came in and I got to see life for what it was. I got to see the danger that others were heading to, and I got to see, I got to see. And what we find is that's the reality when, when we, we come to Jesus and we understand He's dealing with us. But you know, the, the reality is though, as, as even God's people who see, when we take sight for granted, spiritual sight, we can encounter some vision impairment and even blindness again. And we don't lose our salvation. But there's, there's some, some occurrences that happen in our lives that cause us to be blinded a little bit. 
And one of those, look at 2 Peter chapter 1. We've been covering this passage with our, our teachers, our staff at the school. But chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, and notice what, what these things are related to. He says, he says add to your faith. He, he, what he's saying is you, you ought to be growing in your, in your, uh, your character that is Christ-like. He's saying use the, the faith that you have and, and add to it. And notice what he says in verse 8, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's saying you're going to avoid something, that's unfruitfulness. But then he compares it. He says, but he that lacketh these things. So if you're not fruitful, if you're not adding to your faith, notice this, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. You're, you're short-sighted. You can't see what's in the distance. That's, that's what's wrong with me physically. I'm short-sighted. I can only see close. I can't see far. So I've got to correct that. I've got to wear glasses. I've got to wear contact lenses. And what he's saying here is if you're unfruitful, then some vision impairment is going to come to you that, that will hinder the way you see things, that will hinder what you see ahead of you. And what that is, it's unfruitfulness in your life. It's a lack of use of your faith will cause you to, to be blind in this way. You're short-sighted. Here's another way in 1 John 2.11. Don't turn there. I'll read it for you quickly. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. You know, if we're unloving to our brethren, if we go around and we're not loving purposely toward one another, you know what that leads us to? Vision, impairment, darkness. We don't see like we should. It needs to be corrected. It, there's, a, there's, a, there's a sight issue there. and our, our seeing of others can be blinded or hindered because of our own sin toward one another. That's, one when, that's why when Jesus was dealing with that one who had a moat in his eye, he says, um, uh, he, he saw the moat in his brother's eye. He says, deal with your beam that's in your own eye. Listen, sometimes we mistreat one another in our marriage, in our families, in our church family. And you know what that leads to? Some spiritual vision impairment in your life. You don't see like Jesus sees. And you don't see the, to the potential that he has healed you too. And, and sometimes it's just because we're unmoved. Look at Revelation chapter 3 really quickly. Revelation chapter 3. And I think last place we'll turn to. Revelation chapter 3. And notice here this particular church in Laodicea. He says in verse 15 about them, I know thy works. He says that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou art cold nor hot. You know when you're lukewarm? It's when you're inactive. Right? So it's, it's like you're in the comfort of your, your, your own um, blanket at home. That's when you're lukewarm. It's comfortable. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. 
Notice what he counsels. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich in white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that they, thou mayest see. It says in your own comfort, you're, you're no longer moved. You're just comfortable where you're at. How many times in our own lives can we admit, if we're honest, we've just been unmoved? You know what that causes in our lives? Vision impairment, blindness. It causes spiritual impairment there in the things that we ought to be seeing the way God, Jesus sees. And, and before long, we can be like this man that we read about in Mark chapter 8. Because the reality was, even though he was touched by Jesus, and Jesus' healing touch gave them sight, the reality was that he still wasn't quite seeing clearly. Notice verse 24, And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. Now he could see slightly, but he couldn't quite clearly see. And Jesus' touch, it was the catalyst for change in his life. The stories we read, because of Jesus they could see. And listen, because of Jesus, if Jesus has saved you, then you can see. Because of that, they could follow. Because of that, they could testify of all that Jesus had done in their lives. They could testify to others, even those that, that, that Jesus said, don't, it's not time. They just couldn't help themselves. They had to testify. This couldn't help it. They could now see. And, and Jesus' touch did that. But notice what happened with this particular one. And He looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. You know, he saw them as shadows of what they really were. He saw them as just objects that passed him by. And it's interesting that when it comes to people, we need Jesus' touch again. Because so often, because we allow certain things in our lives that cause us some spiritual vision impairment, maybe it's un unfruitfulness, maybe it's unlovingness, maybe it's being unmoved, then these things come and suddenly we have vision impairment. We just need Jesus' touch again. And sometimes we can go to times where we're challenged about the need of the world, where we're challenged about the true condition of our fellow man, we're trying, uh, we're, we're challenged about the condition of those that we see on the screen like we did and, and them speaking about it, suddenly we just see them as trees walking, as just shapes and shadows. We don't see them as Jesus sees them. He doesn't, we don't see them clearly as men and women that Jesus loved. And you know, we're guilty each, each week at times to walk past those that we, we walk past and we just see them as trees walking. We just see them as, as living, but, you know, they're just passing by. They're just shadows. We go past and we, we might see uh, missions presentations and where it used to be perhaps when maybe when you first got saved, you were just so excited about just the need of the world and how you can take a part. And, and suddenly you've just grown cold to it. You've just been unmoved. And suddenly you're not touched anymore. Suddenly those, those people, they're just shapes. 
and they're just trees walking. You know what we all need if we find ourselves in that situation? We need Jesus' touch again. We need him because look what he did. Look at verse 25. And after that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored. And notice, and he saw every man clearly. You know, interestingly, the only time that Jesus touches someone a second time, it was directly in relation to how we see others. You know, many times we will go past our week and without even a thought in our busy lives, we just go past someone that maybe perhaps God wanted you to pause and talk to and be a blessing to. How many times even in our own congregation do we just turn up and we're here and for the, the life of this church, you've never said hello to that person. You've just seen that person as a tree walking. And you just need a touch of God on your heart again so that you can properly see them for who they are. Maybe even in your relationships at home, you've just grown cold and, and the need of the other no longer do you see them for how Jesus sees them as valuable, as someone that he has, has bought with a price and as a soul that for the price of the world, you can't, you can't even pay for. So valuable that Jesus gave his own life for them. And yet we see them, we just exist you know what we need? You need a touch of God again. You need to let God touch your eyes again so that you can see clearly. How many times where in the busyness even of ministry of sitting with people that it can so easily in my own heart just become another appointment and another meeting and the need and the, the, the brokenness of the other is no longer the, the, the high definition view that I should see it as and suddenly I just see shadows and I see just caricatures of people, and, and God doesn't want us to see it that way. God wants us to see them as clearly as He sees them. And listen, that's, that's, that's where we need just another touch from God again. You know, I'm glad. I'm glad that Jesus touched my life and I was saved. I'm glad that I got to see. But I also know that I have to come to Him often so I can see clearly again. And, and you know, if I can say, church, that, that there's times where there's a need for that. And what touch is, touch is allowance. Touch is intimacy. Touch is prompting. And when we come to the Lord for another touch, then, then really what we're saying is we're drawing close to you. What we're saying is we were allowing Him to... To, to, to fix the thing that needs fixing and that, that we're prompting Him to, uh, to, to, to just lead us and guide us. His touch is, uh, is surrender. He's saying, bring me, uh, we're coming to Him to, for clarity in our lives. And I love what the Psalm says, Psalm 119, open thou my eyes that I may see. You know, I think about the author of the song we read, John Newton. You know, he, he speaks about in that, him, I once was blind, but now I see. 
You know, the, the ironic thing about that song is John Newton, when you read about him, he actually was going blind physically. But you know what he was saying? He sees clearer in his blindness physically in Christ than he ever saw when he had his full sight physically and he was spiritually blind. He saw more and he understood more when Jesus touched him. But I want to I say that, that too often we can grow cold and we can grow unmoved and we can become unfruitful and we become unloving. And because of those things, some vision impairment needs to be helped in our lives. And we need to come to Jesus again and say, Lord, touch me. Lord, help me. Lord, open thou mine eyes that I might behold wondrous things. And I think God can do wondrous things if we would just allow him to just touch our lives again. And you know what? It's always, always going to be about others. It's going to be where God might help you with some sort of impairment in your own heart so that you can see that other in a more vivid way. You can help them. You can understand them. You can then just meet the need. And I think at that point, it comes down to it, we're just seeing them the way Jesus wants us to see them. And we're just seeing them the way he sees them. And so I want to encourage you, church, maybe today, if you evaluate your heart, there's just been some vision impairment. Oh, you can see, but maybe you're not seeing as clearly as you should. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you. And Lord, we want to thank you, dear God, for your goodness to us. Lord, you're so gracious. Father, none of us here are, are immune to, to this. Lord, all of us. So often, even after you've given us the, the great light of the gospel and you've allowed us to see, Lord, so often we drift into some impairment, some blindness in our lives. And, and, and it's that time, Lord, where we start to see things not the way you see it. We see things as as shadows and as shapes and not in the vivid way that you would have us to see. And so often we would see the world that way. So often, Lord, we would see the, those neighbors that are just next door and across the road, those workmates that we come across with uh, each, each and every day, those schoolmates and those friends. And, and Lord, even within our homes, in our families, dear God, we so often and we're so troubled, Lord, by our own impairments. So Lord, we need you. We need your touch. So help us to come and help us to, to seek after you. Help us, Lord, for, to, to be humble before you and say, Lord, would you open my eyes? And I'm so glad, dear God, that Lord, you're able then to just help us then to see clearly as we ought. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, and the piano can begin to play. And